This podcast is brought to you by the Eisner-nominated Legend Comics and Coffee in Omaha, Nebraska. Hacha! Hi, my name is Chris Kelly, and I am the newest PHN Love Slave writing the column Comics on the Rocks. And you're listening to Two Headed Nerd with Joe and Matt. Sort of, sort of break it, break it down like good. Welcome to episode 134 of THN, where we're talking comics and nerd news for the week of Wednesday, October 2nd. My name is Matt Bomb, and you can find me on the Twitter under the handle at Matt Bombstein. When I'm not shining up my goalie mask and tightening my SM harness to prepare for the road warrior esque anarchy that's sure to follow a government shutdown, I'm writing the Comic Speculator blog for WordPoint.com. And I'm Joe Patrick. You can find me at JoePatrick116 on the Twitter. And when I'm not still confident that our elected officials will put aside their differences and learn how to compromise, thereby saving us all from the dystopian future ruled by gay biker punks that Matt Bomb prays for. Why are they gay? Because they were gay in the Road Warrior. All right. Yeah. I'm the manager of Legend Comics and Coffee in Omaha, Nebraska, and the artist slash co-creator of... Oh, please. He wrote this. Yes. Of the upcoming hit webcomic series, The Untold Tales of the Two-Headed Nerd. We have a title. That's a good title. We have a title. And they were gay because there wasn't a lot of chicks around. You do what you got to do. You sure, know? it's they like were surviving. prison. You it's like been, prison. You don't know what it's like. Was one of them pretending to be a girl, like in prison? Uh, not really. No. Mm. In this week's episode, you'll hear our reviews of Marvel Knight Spider-Man number one and Hinterkind number one. After that, we'll review ten of this week's comics faster than Congress can crap in their hands and throw it at each other during the ludicrous speed round. Then. We'll visit the THN Sanctum Sanctorum, where Miley Cyrus and Dazzler will get a super high and we'll eat a whole damn bag of Cheetos while rapping about next week's comics. And finally, we'll step into the comic studio when we interview the legendary writer, artist, and creator of Shaolin Cowboy, Jeff Darrow. But before we dig out our hockey jerseys to welcome the NHL back for a full season this year, let's gather our axe handles, pitchforks, and torches, and get in line behind Mark Wade to march on DC's headquarters. I'm ready. And then we'll talk about this week's big news. Javier Grio Mark's watch. I had to spell that phonetically. Boy, I see that. Is best known for his work on the hit TV series Lost. That's really how you say his name? That's what the internet told me. Right on. That's how it spelled it phonetically. But comic fans may know him as the creator of The Middleman, a cult favorite series from Viper Comics that ran off and on between 2005 and 2009, featuring the tagline, Fighting the world so you don't have to. The series followed the adventures of The Middleman, an agent tasked with fighting the weird evils of the world on behalf of a centuries-old secret organization. Like the Phantom. Sort of. The Middleman gained a moderate following and even spawned a short-lived show on ABC Family. What? Sadly, the show was canceled and the series went out of print, but now The Middleman is making a comeback thanks to a campaign on Indiegogo.com. The crowdfunding campaign will not only allow the old volumes to be reprinted with all new book designs, but it will facilitate the creation of all new material that ties the continuities of the show and the comic book together. The campaign runs until November 10th and features an amazing array of donor perks like signed books and props from the show. Matt Bomb, you have no idea what I'm talking about. I don't do have the slightest clue what this is. The Middleman is awesome. I don't know what it is. I didn't know anything about it until it just like randomly popped up on ABC Family. And I was just cruising my guide. I was like, The Middleman, that's a comic book. Never heard of it. And I clicked on it, and it is wonderful. Huh. It's very funny. It's kind of an action comedy. Okay. 
uh, the middleman is like a kind of like a Dudley do right, like ah shucks, you know, doing my duty for the sure. world kind of sure. guy, like very wholesome, blonde hair, drinks milk, that kind of thing. Okay, I'll, I mean, I'll check it out. I've just I've never yeah. heard of this. And he's got like a sassy assistant that gets hired from a temp agency to help him, <laughs> and thrown into this world. So she's like the point of view character. So it's a comedy. Sort of, yeah. It's like an action comedy, like a very tongue-in-cheek. Okay. Uh, and the show was wonderful. Huh. And the show was so good that I immediately wanted to read the comics, and you can't get them. Well, it sounds like soon you'll be and able to. And now they're coming back, and I am thrilled. Yay, crowdsourcing. That's right. Uh, this guy, Javier uh, Griot Marxwatch. Yay, crowdfunding. <laughs> Sorry, not sourcing. <laughs> also, different. yes. Uh, also wrote some stuff for Marvel. He wrote the Annihilation. Yeah, I recognize the name. The Annihilation Super Scroll miniseries that led into I remember the that. Uh, original Annihilation. That was I fun. I think he's done some other mainstream stuff, too, but he, mostly he's a TV guy. But he's super funny. He's a great writer. I'm very excited about this, and I am going to link to the campaign in the show notes. I encourage everybody to check it out, watch the video. Everyone involved, like in the show, was very passionate about it. It was just like it was like it's like Firefly, right? Okay. Firefly canceled after serious cult following. Yeah, and like everyone that was involved in the making of Firefly loved it so much sure. that they would do anything to see it carry on. Well, I mean, cool. All right. And I think it's definitely worth checking out. All right. Speaking of returns, Bone creator Jeff Smith is returning to comics for the first time since the conclusion of his last creator-owned series, Razzle, <laughs> which ended in 2012. Razzle? I don't know. This time, though, Smith is taking his work to the world of web comics. Tukey Saves the Humans launches in November as a free full-color webcomic on Smith's site, Boneville.com. Tukey tells the story of a proto-human and his quest to leave Africa and prevent the extinction of his race following the devastation of the Ice Age. While his new comic will be a little more rooted in the realms of science and history, Smith says the story will have his usual flair for fantasy in the form of spirit guides and ancient gods that guide the main character, Joe Patrick. What do we think of Smith taking his work from print to the web, and is this more of the crudes? The Croods. Which I don't think anyone <laughs> saw. <laughs> well, I read this story today. This is apparently based in scientific fact or theory. Awesome. Not, not fact, obviously. But, but we all know evolution didn't happen. <laughs> no, it's like <laughs> when the Ice Age hit, Africa dried up. And so like all these jungles and, and stuff where, where the pre-human guys were living became Pre-human guys? Yeah, pre -human Would you like guys. to reword Proto -humans. that? Proto-humans. But I, I, if you said yeah. cave people, I well, feel were, better. They're not cavemen okay. necessarily, but like the precursors to mankind. Prehistoric man. Yes, I will help you. Thank you. <laughs> uh, they were living there in Africa. Sure. And if if they had not moved on, if yeah. they had stayed there, this we is would not be theoretically here. what drove humankind into Europe and into yeah. the north, and and they would have just died there, yes. and the human race would have never come to be and thinking talking ducks would be sure and so this is the story of like one guy who made the choice that says we have to get the f out and i, I think it sounds goes on a quest awesome. yeah um as for being on the web instead of in print i think anytime you can get more work from jeff smith it's a good thing no matter I don't, where i don't care if you he's spray it. painting it on a subway wall i will say that it's so weird to see it in color because I'm so used to his work in black and white. I, I suppose there were those bone issues they did that they colored, and that they didn't, were colored for Scholastic. That didn't yeah. bother me at all. Yeah, I mean, it, if the coloring's good, I'm into it. Yeah, I mean, I I assume if he's working on it, it's going to be very high quality. I'm not worried. But I think this is fun. 
Yeah, and I love the fact that it's, you know, science and history based, but also with his usual like like whimsy. Yeah. Yeah. And I think we should check it out. It's free. What do you have to lose? Yeah, it the, launches in November. The price is certainly right. Absolutely. Finally, what was once rumor has now been all but confirmed. Prepare yourselves for the coming of Thane, son of Thanos. Well, hold on. I'm sorry. Thane, son of Thanos. <laughs> Prepare yourselves. Thane's existence was revealed in the Marvel Avengers Alliance Facebook game of all places. The game described Thane as, quote, mysterious ally of the Inhumans. This mysterious being appeared during Thanos' invasion of Earth. What he is and where he came from remains to be seen, but one thing is for certain. He holds tremendous power in his hands, end quote. It appears that Thane has already made his first appearance in a recent Infinity tie-in in the pages of New Avengers number 10 as a young inhuman that has yet to be exposed to the Terrigen Mists that grant members of the Society their abilities. Now, Marvel has revealed that Thane will appear in all of his purple, wrinkle-chinned glory in Infinity number 5. They even showed preview pages. But it's important to note that everyone is calling the guy the son of Thanos except Marvel. So I guess it's still sort of rumor territory, but Matt, what else could it be? The, I mean, obviously... The whole story is about him looking for his son. Somebody didn't get the memo that works for the people that do Ultimate Alliance <laughs> right? for Facebook. And they were like, look, you told us to use this character. I'm using the character. You know? Like, right. And like the... Whatever. I, I don't know how familiar you are, at all, if at all, with the, the game, but it's divvied up into missions. And yeah, this no, it's mission fun. is titled infinity yeah <laughs> right it's definitely it's pretty obvious tying into what it infinity. is now i don't blame marvel for not saying anything and they really hold the power here yeah certainly they and they're not saying no it's not they're just going right they just haven't come out and Mum said it is the official word you right. know <laughs> like so like and everybody else is reporting it as fact right even though marvel has never actually said but i think it's kind of fun like i'm a sucker for a story where, like, the son of a villain is actually a good guy. You know, it happens from time to time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that kind of story no, where it's he, cool. like, fights back against his evil dad. It's cool, and I think it's, you know, like, we all freaked out when Wolverine had a kid, and we ended up thinking that was pretty cool, and, you know, like, there's we no ended reason. ended up sometimes thinking it was pretty oh, cool. I loved Dokken, man. That dude was awesome. And I love that series, too. Totally underrated. Completely off topic. So far, Infinity is totally fun. If anyone is going to stick it to Thanos, why shouldn't it be his kid? It's even more tragic, you know? Yeah. It's Shakespearean even. Sure. I love it. I, I'm curious to see where he pops up, like, with Inhumanity and stuff yeah. like that, spinning out of Infinity. Now, I'd is, like to see him... Is he an Inhuman of Titan? Or is he a No, he's inhuman an Inhuman proper? on Earth. Okay. But what they've established in Infinity and in the tie-ins is that the Inhumans don't all live on a Tillin. See, now, I want to know... There are, like, hidden tribes all over the planet. Who was like, yeah, Thanos, throw it in me. Yeah. <laughs> well... Let's do this, Thanos. It may have been a little rapey. Put a baby up in here. Yeah, it know? may have been that <laughs> Thanos, like, decided to sire some Ooh, children. Yikes. Whether people wanted him to or not. I still think it's interesting. It's, it's yeah. going to be fun. So far, Infinity's been a blast. I think it's a fun idea, and yeah. Thane actually looks pretty badass. Yeah. That is the big news for this week. If you want to discuss these stories or anything you think we missed, hit us up over at our Facebook page where your bitching could steer the tone of next week's stories. Who knows? Hey, we listen. <laughs> Every Friday, the butthurt Joe Patrick posts the question of the week on the THN web forum, which you can find by clicking the link at twoheadednerd.com. Joe. 
What do we ask the listeners this week? This week's question was, what is your favorite comic book offspring? I like this one a lot. We're talking not just son or daughter, niece, nephew, grandson. Stepkid. Young ward. Sure. Whatever. Adopted whatever. A character that is related in some way to an established character. For example, I won't say this on the show. I'm taking it off the table. But my go-to answer of the week answer, Jack Knight, Okay, is the son of the original Golden Age Starman. Right. Legacy character, too. Yeah. Yeah. So we want to know, and it doesn't have to be superhero. Nope, just if relation. There is like a, if there's like an indie comic that has a, a cousin Oliver, <laughs> right. like from the Brady Bunch, right? We want to know your favorite. You can call us and leave a message with your answer using Skype, if you dare. Our Skype handle is two-headed nerd, all one word, or at our Ziggurat direct line four zero two eight one nine four eight nine four. But keep it under three minutes. Or you'll get cut off, just like Wooly Toots did last week. John from Burnt Wieners, we didn't cut him off. It was Google. <laughs> if you need more time than that, feel free to write your full answer in the question of the week section of the THN web forums. And if you're having trouble with Skype, you can record an MP3 and email it to us Bam! at twoheadednerd at gmail.com. Feel free to add a soundtrack, sound effects. Go crazy. Edit it, man. Yeah. Let's do this. It's review time on THN, where Joe and I take two of this week's new comics out for a short drive that ends in us wearing monkey masks and robbing a bank. GTA 5 style. Joe, what did you review this week? This week, I reviewed Marvel Knights Spider-Man, number one from Marvel Comics, written by Matt Kent with art by Marco Rudy. Here's your solicit. Bullet! From the haunted heights of a mysterious castle to the dizzying depths of the deep seas, the amazing Spider-Man has to take on not one... Not six, not 12, but 99 of the Marvel Universe's deadliest villains to save the lives of countless innocents. Bullet! Matt Kent. That was the worst bullet I've ever heard. (laughs) (laughs) Bullet! (laughs) Matt Kent and Marco Rudy bring you a defining hour in the life of the webbed wonder in a race against time and a battle against evil. This is the first in Marvel's latest reinvention of Marvel Knights. They do it every few years or so. And I have to say, it was pretty successful. Matt Kent brings us a timeless tale of Peter Parker that exists simultaneously in and out of continuity. It almost reads like an all-star Spider-Man hitting a lot of the iconic buttons. Power and responsibility, check. Photographer, check. Jonah is a jerk, check. I'm going to say this is wholly out of continuity because Peter Parker is dead. Well, Marvel said that the Marvel Knights books are in continuity, but it doesn't necessarily take place in current, in the current... Right. Time frame. Yeah, okay. So he, he did. There's nothing about this story <laughs> that could not have happened in the past. Sure. The story itself is pretty standard, actually. It's certainly well told, but not groundbreaking. The real star of the issue is artist Marco Rudy. Rudy's style is like the love child of Steve Bissett, I, David Mack, J.H. Williams III, and Marcos Martin. Steve Bissett. I didn't, I didn't think that until you just said it, but yeah. right on. The art goes from pencil to painted to ink wash to this like something that looks like a woodcut. Yeah, and perhaps charcoal. Yeah, at the drop of a hat, sometimes within the same page, it's amazing. The rapid, I accidentally typed rabid. The I, think, ra- I think rabid works. The rabid style shift beautifully complements the hallucinogenic uh, tone of the story, and it elevates the story above just standard fare. 
if it wasn't for this art, I can't say that this would be something I'd be that into. I, I agree. I agree. As it is, I wasn't all that stoked for the new Marvel Knights, but if this is indicative of the level of quality we should expect, I'm definitely looking forward to more. I'm giving it a buy it. On the strength of the art alone. Right on. Okay. I not guess that the story is bad. It's not bad. It's There's just nothing wrong with it. It's boilerplate. I guess I expect more from Matt Kent because honestly, anyone could have written the story. Yeah, but have you read Matt Kent's superhero work? I really haven't. I, I can't say that I've read a lot of it. It's good, but not. And I and I realize that's probably not his wheelhouse. I mean, he's kicking ass on books like you know, mind management and stuff like that, which is so weird. And this is weird, but yeah, I agree. Like, I think he definitely let the art carry the weirdness and the story is and the merely serviceable was bonkers oh yeah. it was out of control i'll be real honest with you guys and we make jokes about it all the time i recreationally uh use drugs every once in a while last night <laughs> when reading this i had recreationally dabbled and i was reading it and i was like i can't follow this am i this messed up and i looked at the morning in the morning i was like no i'm not this is wackadoo. <laughs> it, this was fantastic. I mean, really, really amazing art. The DEA is pounding down the door of the ziggurat. No, they were already listening to my phone calls, so it's all good. <laughs> I liked this, but again, I think I liked it on the art sure. mo- way more than the story. Sometimes, I was a little disappointed okay. with the story, truthfully. I, I guess I expected more from Matt Kent. That doesn't mean it's not going to end up great. Not... That doesn't mean that it, it, it was poorly written. I just expected more from the story. Honestly, I'm, I'm going to give it a buy it because the art was that good. I was right. tempted to give it a skim it. Right. The art does just as much to tell the story as yeah. the script does. Marco Rudy kicked ass here. And that's what makes it exceptional. Definitely. While the script is just, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's, which is not even a negative statement. No, it's no, just, no. It's, it's just not it exciting. Do, it does the job. I do love... That it's titled 99 Problems. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I demand that you use the like, uh, weird twangy country version of 99 Problems well, for this episode. Peter has got to make a Jay-Z reference. Like, I waited for, for the whole book. Listen, it's one, it's, one of, it's one of five or something. I know, I know. We got four issues. Matt, what did you review this week? This week, I picked up Hinterkind, number one from DC Vertigo. This was written by Ian Edginton with art by Francesco Trifogli. I will continue to say Eddington because my brain will not but those Brits, put man, that G there. They've got no problem putting consonants right next to each other. Here's your solicit. Men go and come, but earth abides. That's from Ecclesiastes 1-4. Decades after the blight, all but wiped out the human race. Mother Nature is taking back what's hers, and she's not alone. The hinterkind have returned. From the last lost corners of the world they come, a myriad menagerie of myth and magic. But these aren't childhood fairy tale creatures. They're flesh, blood, and passion. And they have a long, simmering hatred for those who drove them into the shadows. The human race! After her grandfather disappears, Prosper Monday must leave the security and seclusion of their Central Park village to venture into the wilds and find him, unaware of how much the world has changed or how hungry it has become. The first thing that grabbed me here was I hated the name Prosper Monday. so (laughs) dumb. It's just a terrible name. But, you know, maybe it's a future name. People are already naming their children stupid. It now, I can't see it getting any better in the future. Also, in the preview that I read, there was sort of this future dialogue between Prosper and her friend, 
and I thought it was really going to bother me throughout the whole book. And I've got to say, it didn't. It was light enough that it set the kids apart from the adults who don't talk like this. And truthfully, I mean, right now, if you've got young kids that are in middle school or high school, you can probably barely understand a word they're saying if you're a parent. It's tough. So it's not that strange to think that they would have this sort of weird hybrid sort of future dialogue. And it doesn't get in the way. There's not a whole lot of it here. I'm going to say I, I don't love the art here. It's not that I think Trifog- Trifolgi, I can't Trifogli. say it. It's not that I think that Trifolgi is bad. There's, a, there's some panels that worked really well. I like the sequence of Monday hunting the zebra and the first splash page that reveals New York as a city reclaimed by nature, completely overgrown with vegetation, was great. It really looked cool. But I had some issues with the more mundane scenes. There's artists like Jeff Lemire that also have what could be considered a simplistic style, but Lemire seems to know where he excels and he stays in his wheelhouse. Trafolgi is really solid with his backgrounds and his wide shots, but I really don't like the way he draws people. Hey, I'm going to disagree with you there. I'm looking at it right now, and I think his people are fine. I don't like it. I agree with you, though, that he's really good at the setting. Yeah, like his the... settings are great. I just felt like his people looked so rigid. And he's he's got kind of this thick, one-dimensional style, and it just made everybody look kind of rigid to me. What does that mean? There's times... Thick one-dimensional style. I mean, like, looking at it, it just looks flat. It looks really flat, whether someone's behind someone or in front of someone. The way that he draws them, everything just so looks flat So you're saying his sense of depth. Yes. There's times here that the art reminded me of Guy Davis, but like I said, yeah. much more rigid. David is, is very fluid in the way he does things. Trafolgi is blockier. Not bad, but just blockier. And I really don't care for the weird, streaky shadow computer shading effect that he used all over this I, is issue. Is that him? I'm looking for the credits. It just it's says in art. The coloring. All it says is art by Francesco Trafolgi. Fogli. Yeah, the, the, uh, the coloring has this weird, like... I don't like it. Streaky quality to it, it, but... And I get it. He's trying to make it look like there's, you know, plants blowing around and the sun is filtering through it. But it, it just doesn't work with his art style. It stuck out as that is computer done, where everything else was definitely his hand work. And I, I agree that it's not great, but in some of these scenes, I don't think it has anything to do with him trying to show light coming through. Yeah. It's just, it looks streaky. Yes. Like he was trying to imply brushstrokes, but they don't look like brushstrokes. It, they just look like weird lines it that doesn't don't belong. Work. It doesn't work. And it's not all the time. It's only some of the time. Yeah, and that's what caught me off guard. I would notice it and be like, the first time I saw it was when she was hunting and running through the woods and stuff. And I went, okay, that's what he's trying to convey here. I don't like it, but I get it. The next time, there was like a character that's indoors that it's happening to. Yeah, it's like he's trying to crosshatch, but only sort of. Yeah, and it just, I, I don't care for it. This, yeah, I didn't I don't like that aspect of it either. The story here is compelling. We see Prosper's grandfather going to check on another settlement to the north in Albany that they've suddenly lost contact with and Prosper of course wants to go. Her best friend inexplicably seems to be mutating and he might be gay <laughs> to boot. Whatever it happens. But, yeah, I mean sure, but there wasn't a moment here when I thought I really need to read more of this. There wasn't anything that really jumped out and grabbed me and went yeah, that's the thing that's going to bring me back to issue two. I went into this thinking it was going to be 
the future of the fables world. But I came out of it kind of wishing that's what it was. I first encountered Edgington's writing when he took over X-Force with Warren Ellis during the Counter X event of the late 90s, and I lost track of him since. I have to say, this comic very much feels like a late 90s Vertigo comic to me. Yes. Right? I, and I can't point to anything directly. I can't say the way that it's written or the way that it's paneled, but I just had this, it felt very late 90s Vertigo to me, which is not necessarily a bad thing. I just don't think it's going to keep me coming back for more. I can only give this a skim it. I am also giving it a skim it. And <laughs> the end. <laughs> well, part of the... Part of the thing that uh, turned me off a little bit, the cadence of the speech of the characters seemed weird to me. So like sort of the future speak just, I was talking about, it, right? Like it was. If they're trying to say like they talk different in the future, yeah, I can see that, but it just rang as odd. I also wonder how far in the future is this because they never really give us a date. They don't really say when it's happened, and it seems like. The older people, like Prosper's grandfather, it seems like he may remember what normal life was like. Like, he may remember Well, it had to have society. been long enough ago for all of New York City to be overgrown by vegetation. Yeah. Like, which, Unless I mean, that's magical. What is, yeah, exactly. I mean, I don't know. All we know is they called it the blight came through. Yeah. And maybe that happened over a two-week period because it was magic. Sure. We don't really know. And that's also not important to the story yet. I get that. And we do get some fantastic, you know, kind of monster type characters later. There was just wasn't anything that really grabbed me. Here, I found an example of what I'm talking about. In the beginning of the book, Prosper asks her friend, why Ben so quiet? Yeah. Like, they don't have time for pronouns in the future. And it's stuff like, it's, it's not like weird slang. It's not 2099 where they say shock and jam it. And wizard. Yeah, it's, yeah. <laughs> It's just the way they speak is off and not in a way that I found uh, interesting. I will say there wasn't a whole lot of that, though. Sure. Well, it was enough to bother me. It's just kind of when she's talking to her buddy. Because in the beginning, before the characters started to speak, there's narration that I really enjoyed. Yeah. And then they start to talk and I was like, ah, I don't like I don't like that. Um, I wish that the art had been done by Greg Tocchini, the cover artist. Oh, God, yes. Because he's amazing? Yes. And this is nothing against Francesco Trifogli. It's like you said, it's just, it's okay. He's not bad. He's yeah. by no means bad. It's just okay. Yeah, it's it's just fine. We're rambling now. We are. So it's a skim it for me as well. Campaign problems, I feel better for you, son. I've got 99 problems, but mid ain't one. Hit me. So that's a double buy it for Marvel Knights Spider-Man number one and a double skim it for Hinterkind number one, of course. We want to know what you, spider friends and poorly named heroines, thought of these comics. So be sure to hit us with your post-apocalyptic ravings over at the THN forums, which you can find by clicking the forum button at TwoHeadedNerd.com. You're crazy for this one, Joe! It's your press! With the U.S. government shut down, Joe Patrick and I called our good friend Anarchy and decided we should start some serious shit. 
So we borrowed the math equation that gave Johnny and Jesse Quick their super speed. And decided, 3x2, 9yz, 4a. That is amazing. And decided it was time to bring our now closed government to its knees by whipping up angry mobs at super speed in cities all over the nation. Folks, no government means no rules. So join us as we up while reviewing 10 of this week's comics during the Ludicrous Speed Round! Ludicrous Speed, go! Pirate's Eye, murder at 10 knots, one shot from Action Lab. This is a story of Smitty, a Sherlock Holmes of sorts who happens to be aboard of a pirate ship with a female captain that's trying to get to the bottom of a murder. It's well written, the art was a little lacking. I'm not gonna call it bad, I'm just gonna say amateur. But I'm giving it a skimming. Grindhouse, doors open at midnight. Number one from Dark Horse. This is a fun new anthology series from Dark Horse. The first storyline is Be Vixens from Mars by Alex DeCampi and Chris Peterson. It's over-the-top, gory, sexy, B-movie weirdness. I liked it, but it won't be for everyone, so skim it. I still want to read this. I'm excited. Yeah, I mean, if you like Grindhouse stuff, you'll love it. It's very well done. Shadow Now! Number one from Dynamite! Writer David List brings the shadow to modern day and does a pretty good job doing it. The art here by Colton Worley was good, but it was so dark at times that it got a little hard to follow. I did like his J.H. Williams style layouts. I liked that List didn't try to explain how the shadow didn't age. He just meditated in the Andes for a while and now he's back. I love it. Yeah, this was pretty fun. I'm saying buy it. David List doing a nice job over Dynamite. The Occultist, number one from Dark Horse. I don't remember exactly why, but I recall not really enjoying the last Occultist series about a college student that gets chosen to protect the world by an ancient mystical artifact. I actually really liked this issue, though. I'm sure it's in no small part due to the art by Mike Norton. Norton was not on the last series. No, he was not. Norton and writer Tim Seeley have a long track record of working well together, and it shows here. There were a lot of references to what I assume are past story points, so I can only give this a skim it for now. Perhaps as I read more and get into it, I'll change my tune. But for now, skim it. Right on. Cavewoman Primal One-Shot by Amaral Entertainment. Why do you do this to yourself? This is the first Cavewoman comic I have ever read, and honestly, it was pretty well written. I learned three things about Cavewoman. She's superhumanly strong and tough. She's a time traveler, and she eats dinosaurs. Like I said, the writing here isn't bad, but the story is completely over-narrated, and all she really does is fight off dinosaurs in this issue. Do you really need a one-shot where nothing happens but Cavewoman fighting off dinosaur after dinosaur after dinosaur because she's mad about somebody dying? (laughs) They kind of recapped it. I didn't really get it. Unless you're buying this for the poorly drawn cleavage and butt shots, I'd say leave it. All new X-Men special number one from Marvel. The arms of the octopus begins here, crossing over with Indestructible Hulk and Superior Spider-Man team-up. What was hyped as the return of Dr. Octopus in an effort to boost sales is actually an all-is-not-what-it-seems story. The return of Dr. Octopus, never mind! Right. (laughs) Probably involving time travel that will probably have very little impact on the main books. Like, seriously, did they think that... That we believe they wouldn't tell the return of Dr. Octopus and Peter Parker in the main book. They'd be like, Dan, you're doing a great job. Don't get me wrong. 
We're going to bring in G.I. Joe's Mike Costa (laughs) to tell the story. It it is fun. Mike Costa has a great handle on each character's distinct personality. I like Costa. He does a good job. And the art by Chris Anka is wonderful. You don't need it, but you will enjoy it. So I'm giving it a buy. There you go. CBLDF Annual 2013 from Image. That stands for Comic Book Legal Defense Fund. This has it all. Stories by Gabriel Ba, Richard Corbin, Gabriel Hartman, Art Baltazar, Tim Seeley, Josh Williamson, and more. Two Gabriels. What more could he ask for? All the stories here are a fun take on freedom of speech and why it's important. It plays on historical comic book things, historical movie things, really great art, really good storytelling, and the proceeds go to the Comic Book Legal Defense Fund. What more do you need? Buy this, feel good about it, and buy it! Phantom X. Max. Number one from Marvel. Because you demanded it. Marvel's <laughs> fan favorite omnisexual European thief slash mutant activist is now in his own series. I really wish Phantom X was Mexican. Completely <laughs> devoid. So he's like Phantom Mex. Of a- <laughs> Phantom X Mex? <laughs> Completely devoid of anything tying him to continuity. This is kind of the problem I have with the Max line. My interest in reading a comic where Wolverine says f- does not trump my interest in a comic connecting to the larger Marvel Universe. But it's kind of a fun, over-the-top, sexy spy story. It's like a weird euro trashy James Bond. The art is decent. It's oddly, like, sexualized. Like, why is that spy wearing pants that ride so little that her thong shows all the time? she's a spy, idiot. <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> and a tank top that barely comes down below her breasts. Again, spy! Yeah, exactly. I really like what the artist did with the pop art color dots. It didn't blow me away, though. I'm giving it a skim it. Like the Grindhouse thing, it's not going to be for everybody. Savage Wolverine, number nine from Marvel. Artist Jock is on story and art detail here and proves to be a double threat. He's definitely channeling Bill Sienkiewicz here. But wow, does it work well. We see Wolvie dropped on an alien planet, fighting small and giant bugs, and there's a great twist in the story. I wish Frank Cho's run was this interesting. A smart person once said, less is more, and Jock took it to heart. Mr. Cho might want to listen to that. This was great. Buy it. Green Lantern, 24 from DC. Because we can't go a year without a universe-shaking epic, this is the latest crossover to hit the Green Lantern books, and it is completely underwhelming in every way. Really? To be fair, I haven't been reading the monthlies, but this issue basically jumps in in mid-story despite being labeled part one. Also, and maybe this is referenced elsewhere, but the art makes it look like there is only like five guys living on the entire planet of Oa. To be fair, the movie made it look like that too. (laughs) No way, the army, the, the, uh, the movie had like an army of dudes. Well, yeah, later They're on. all gathered around when talking they, to like, flew in, Oa was like, oh, it's a city in the middle of a nothing planet. <laughs> <laughs> it's not even bad. It just feels completely irrelevant. I'm, I'm, I'm giving it a leave. This is an editorial. Hey, it always worked in the past. Let's have another big Greenland thing. I don't know. I don't know about that because, I don't know. It's too bad. It just seems like a waste of time. It's too bad. Spapatch! That is your ludicrous speed round and Spapatch! Is the sound of Wolverine riding a giant flea-looking alien to its death at the bottom of a chasm, as seen in this week's issue of Savage Wolverine, number nine. Buddy. It's always nice to unwind after a long work week with friends, and this week, we're joined by two pretty cute ones in the Sanctum Sanctorum. They're hot. 
You may have read of Miley Cyrus's fondness of the hobbit leaf in the papers. And it just so happens her and Allison Blair stopped by with a fat sack of icky sticky and a whole pile of next week's comics. And let me tell you. Oh, damn. No one knows how to build a bong like my man Matt Bomb and the converted Rom Space Knight helmet we're smoking out of tonight is most impressive. Right on, brother. Matt, what do your comic munchies have you hungry for next week? Next week, I'm excited for Shaolin Cowboy, number one from Dark Horse, written and drawn by Jeff Darrow. Here's your solicit. The Shaolin Cowboy returns, but nowhere in sight is there a dead Robin, any Infinity Gauntlets, or a single conquering Ultron. Just flat out action, intrigue, and plenty of roadkill. Jeff Darrow's slow-talking, kung-fu-gripping hero proves once again in this brand new series that the only thing that can stop a bad guy with a gun is a good guy with a chainsaw. If I have to tell you any reason why you need to pick up, pick up this book, you might not like comics. Joe Patrick, what are you excited for next week? Brace yourself, America. My pick for next week is Afterlife with Archie, <laughs> number one from Archie Comics. Because we demanded it. Written by Roberto Aguirre Sacasa. Aguirre. With art by Francesco Francavia. Is it racist that we have to do that every time we say names like that? No, we're just not good at it. Are you sure? No. It's not that we're mispronouncing it. It's that we're like, it's a me, Mario. <laughs> every every name. <laughs> Here's your solicit. This is how the end of the world begins. Harvey Award winning writer Roberto Aguirre Sacasa. And Eisner-winning artist Francesco Francavia. I don't think you need to read that. <laughs> you just said that they're doing it. Take Archie and the gang where they've never been before. To the grave and back. A horrific accident sets off a series of grim events. And Sabrina the Teenage Witch must try to repair the unspeakable evil her spell has unleashed. I didn't realize this is a crossover. <laughs> Gasp in horror. Oh, yeah, man. Sabrina the Teenage Witch exists firmly. I didn't even know she was In Riverdale thing. continuity. Now, where's Clarissa? Did she get fat? Clarissa is from Nickelodeon, not from Archie. But she was Sabrina. Y- yes. Melissa Joan Hart, the actress, played both yeah. characters. Where's Melissa? Did she get fat? Is she still around? She still she's look good? Some, she's somebody's mom now, buddy. She is? Yeah. Younger than I am. Jesus. Gasp in horror as Riverdale faces an impending zombie archpocalypse <laughs> in this brand new spine-tingling ongoing series. Ongoing! But be warned, kitties, this one's not for the faint of heart. <laughs> I am so I am unreasonably excited. I've gotta see what and happens. And I mean that in a genuine way. I would call myself morbidly curious. No I am pun intended. Super excited. You should read online the buzz for this book. Okay. Comics Alliance is like awesome. Archie knows how to do this. They're kicking ass. They CBR really gave doing. it four and a half stars. Good God. I am very excited. The THN Trade of the Week goes to Batlin Boy from First Second. This is written and drawn by Paul Pope when Batlin Boy's father, a warrior god, drops him on a world infested with bloodthirsty monsters. He leaves his son with nothing but a magic credit card, a trunk full of enchanted t-shirts, and instructions not to come home until he's liberated the planet from its plague of monsters. Awesome. It's one kid versus an, an entire world full of monsters, and the monsters don't stand a chance. That sounds rad. You know what? <laughs> if anybody can kick ass on this, it's Paul Pope. I think it's going to be fun. It is available next week in both softcover and hardcover. There you go. So, check it out. Of course, we want to know what you're looking forward to, so take one last deep rip off your favorite Space Knight helmet bong and let us know what you're excited for next week. 
at the THN forums. This month in Inside the Comic Studio, we're going to play you an interview we recorded at last year's C2E2 Comic Convention in Chicago with writer-artist Jeff Darrow, creator of Shaolin Cowboy. He worked with Frank Miller on The Big Guy and Rusty the Boy Robot and Frank Miller's Hard Boiled. The man is an incredible artist. If you've never seen his stuff, go pick up anything that he's done and you'll see why we love him so much. Here's our interview with Jeff Darrow. Jeff, my name's Matt. I'm with the Two-Headed Nerd Comic Cast. We're catching up with Jeff here at C2E2. My main question is, why is it back now? What took so long? We, I loved this book back in the day. I was a fan of when you were at Burley Man, and it disappeared for so long. Because I was, for like almost seemed like two or three years, I was in Japan working on this animated version of it. Fair that never got finished. Oh, you're kidding me. Yeah. Oh, that's terrible. It's sitting in, a, it's sitting in boxes over in... Uh, so there's no future for it? It's just dead? Well, they need the rest of the money. It's a long, ah. long complicated story. It's a mess. <laughs> yeah. But maybe. Maybe. So how much more are we going to see of the Shaolin Cowboy that this well, year? October year? comes out. October yeah, is the new one? Yeah, there's three issues. First issue is 27 pages. The second issue is 64 action-packed pages. Good it's Lord, sir. It's a big... It's, I mean, you're gonna, it's, you're gonna, it's gonna make you... Tired. Is so this going to be a regular series, or is it going to be? Well, when I as much as I can do it, you know. Because sure sometimes, like the other thing, was sometimes I'll work on a movie and sure. make real money. Well, it pays really well, yeah. And it's hard to say no. And I always think, well, this will be the last one. I'll be asked to, well, you know, I'll work on this movie and I'll squirrel away a lot of money. The problem is, is when you start making money, then you spend it. You know, like, oh well, right. And I really need this, you know, three A studio, you know, Baka King action figure. <laughs> So why Dark Horse? I have a relationship with him, and, and uh, especially with Mike Richardson, and okay. he's a really honest. I'm not saying the other, and nobody else is honest, but he's he's a really honest, straightforward guy, and I just I've known him. In America, he's the guy I started out with. Sure, and I just like him. And I gotta ask. Why is this character so endearing for you? I know why I love him, but it seems like something you keep returning to. Oh, because he, I mean, he seems like a, a vehicle for, that I can do anything with. Fair enough. I mean, I've always been a big fan of Japanese movies, samurai movies, uh, Jatoichi, and I like kung fu movies, and uh, it just seems like and. I like westerns. And so this is where the character actually came from. Yeah, these yeah. You sort of just smashed the two together. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, I always tell this story, but like uh, I told Frank Miller what I was doing. So what are you going to do? I said I got to do this kind of western thing. And he said, Well, whatever you do, don't put the word cowboy in the title because it's murder. So of course, I decided to call it Shaolin Cowboy. Excellent. I always listen to Frank because he doesn't know what he's talking no, about. No, 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 it's he's, too bad. He's the guy, you know. And nobody remembers him either. It's nah, too bad. He's, he's got a horrible <laughs> batting record, so that's why I ignored his advice. Fair enough. Yeah, I appreciate your time, Jeff. You'll be able to pick up Shaolin Cowboy number one from Dark Horse next week at your local comic book store. If you have not placed it on your profile, call them, email them, scream as loud as you can, and do it immediately because you do not want to miss out on this one. Sort of break it, break it down like this. 
And that is it for the Total Anarchy episode of THN. If you're ready for the strong survive and the weak to shovel pig in barter town, you can subscribe to this show on iTunes or Stitcher, where you can give the show a star rating, a written review, or a Stitcher thumbs up, and help us to connect with other potential listeners. <laughs> I snuck it in that time. No, you didn't. Thanks to all of our past donors, and if you'd like to help keep us in petrol and wrist crossbows, you can make your donation in any amount using our adorable little PayPal button at 2editnerd.com. But make no mistake, it will fight for its survival. That's right. While you're there, you can find links to our Twitter feed, at 2headednerd, our email, 2headednerd at gmail.com, our YouTube channel, THN Comic Cast, our Skype handle, 2headednerd, all one word, and our direct ziggurat phone number, 402-819-4894, where you can send slash call us with your Ask a Nerd questions, or ask the comic pushers what you should be reading, or ask us to review your self-published comic, be it printed, be it digital, be it whatever and don't forget to sign up for the thn forums guys this is your little virtual piece of the ziggurat where you can discuss this week's show or just rap about comics and there's even badges for you loyal cult members that just have to have achievements in every part of your life so get in there and start posting today remember to follow us on twitter and like our facebook page if you want to get in on the question of the week discussion and if you want to hear our answers along with your own be sure to check out the Two-Headed Nerd Answer of the Week call-in show. That's right. If you already subscribe to this show, you don't need to do a single thing. It will just magically show up in your feed whenever I remember to post it. <laughs> Sorry about that. Nicely done, buddy. Next week, we're playing Ask a Nerd again, so get on the THN forums and post your question under the Ask a Nerd section. Or call the ziggurat direct number and we just might answer your question on the show before we go a weekly shout out goes to chris kelly the newest thn love slave word to you chris and be sure to check out his new blog comics in the rocks over at twoheadednerd.com where chris reviews both a comic book and the brown liquor he was drinking while reading it. brown optional He's going to mainly stick to whiskeys and scotches. Wow, okay. Until next time, true believers, remember to pre-order your comics because your retailer just might kiss you on the mouth for it. This is the Two-Headed Nerd. Signing off. Kinky Wizards Assemble! Oh, that's right. It's game night. Halloween adventure. Halloween adventure. We'll let you know how it goes. (laughs) 